You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. We are all, at one time or another, discouraged, confused, grief-stricken. Sometimes we experience incredible anxiety and fear, and you may be experiencing some of those emotions in your life right now. If you are, I want to assure you this morning and encourage you that you're in good company, because that's exactly what the disciples were experiencing on the night they met with Jesus in the upper room. Because Jesus was leaving, and their whole world was changing, and Jesus saw how they were reacting, and he knew exactly what to say, he knew exactly what to do. And his words of comfort transcend 2,000 years, and they land right in our lives today. And this morning, I want you to know that you can have peace through trust in Jesus. I want you to know that your life is in His hands, that He sovereignly guards your steps and your ways. You will always be with Him, and He is always with you. And so this morning when you leave here, in the middle of this crazy world, as a follower of Jesus, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples, but maybe using different language. So please open your Bibles if you would, and let's take a look at this amazing text, which we find in John 14, beginning in verse 1. John 14, 1. If you want to grab that Bible that's in the seat pocket in front of you, it's on page 901, or you can use your phone or your tablet. You can download the app, Ridgewood app, and you'll find it there under media, and you can go to study notes in today's date. But I would love you to have a Bible in your hand to look at this amazing section of Scripture. Now, what we're doing here at Ridgewood is we're, of course, we're working our way through the Gospel of John. And we call the series Learning Jesus because we want to emulate Jesus. We want to find out more about our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've walked through many sections from the origins to the signs and his sayings. And now we're at the section we call preparations because Jesus is preparing to leave, which of course heightens the disciples' anxiety. And in the upper room, in this last meal that the men had together, Jesus has already stunned them by washing their feet. And then he gave them the new command, which is, love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus exposed Judas as the betrayer. He confronted Peter that he would deny the Lord. This was their guy. This was their leader. This was their warrior. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And so the disciples were shaken up. 
Their, their world was turning upside down. And given that Near East culture, if we were to walk into that room, we may very well have heard weeping and screaming and the pounding on the table in grief because everything they had worked for, everything they believed in, seemed to be coming apart at the seams. But Jesus knew what they needed. Jesus knows what we need. And you'll see in the very first words of this text that Jesus is going to comfort them to help them to know that it was going to be okay. So look at John 14, verse 1, all the way through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Beautiful words, words of comfort. And so the, really the central idea of this portion of the narrative is this, don't be troubled by present circumstances. The disciples were in a tither. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled by present circumstances. And I love that phrasing because these words must have been a breath of fresh air to these men. Not only had they just experienced all of that in the upper room, but in Luke, he had told them that Satan was going to work them over. And then in Matthew, that they were all going to fall away, we read. And so no wonder they must have been afraid, confused, and full of anxiety. Now the word Jesus chose here is troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. And it's translated stirred or agitated. He didn't want their hearts to be agitated or stirred up. He wanted them to have peace. And what's really amazing about this is that he's the one comforting them when he is about to go to the cross, to walk the road of suffering, to be beaten and abused, and they were all going to leave him. But here he is comforting them with those beautiful words, let not your heart be troubled. And I don't know about you, but in my life, those words are refreshing and they're meaningful. And I, I am not at all today saying that it's going to be okay, meaning your life is going to turn out exactly like you thought it would. Because we've probably realized, most people in this room, that that's not the way life works. And Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this life. But then he encouraged us by saying, but I, don't worry, I've overcome the world. But as I go along in my life, and as Wendy and I have walked the journeys of our life, Wendy was abandoned by a husband. I lost a wife to cancer. Six years ago, Wendy and I buried a son. And many of you have been through those types of things or are journeying through those things right now. And there are times when the grief and the anxiety and the fear 
are knocking at your door. But what Jesus is saying to us in this passage is, I have you, don't worry. And the Bible's very clear about the sovereignty of God. He has our circumstances in his hand. He has our steps covered. We will never be alone. And so he can say with confidence, don't let your hearts be troubled. But of course, trusting in this truth and then actually acting it out or doing it or living our lives by it is a whole different thing. So what I want to do this morning is just give you three compelling reasons why we can experience peace and why we can walk in the truth that it's going to be okay. And the first is this, Jesus said, it's going to be okay because you can trust me. He's, he's telling this to the disciples, you, don't worry, you can trust me. And we see this in the second half of verse 1. Jesus explicitly commands that we believe in his power to help us. Believe in God, believe also in me. And the NIV has it, trust in God, trust also in me. And this phrasing is really important because it reflects a high Christology or the doctrine of Christ. This idea that Jesus is God and that Jesus is linked to the Father because He is the Son of God is a fantastic landing place for our faith. We can pin our hopes on that truth. Even though the Trinity is a mystery, it's difficult to comprehend. I don't know how many times I've tried to explain the Trinity to my kids, and somehow I always end up at the egg. You know, the yolk, the white, and the shell all one thing. It's really kind of a bad analogy, but how do you explain this? You have three separate persons, unique and yet they all have different roles to play, and they come together and they make up the Godhead. So Jesus here is not separating himself from God. He's claiming a link to the Father. He's saying, hey, don't worry. Believe, believe in the Father. Believe in me. And so that's good doctrine, good Christology. And so this makes him a trustworthy place to go with our cares. In this passage in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, we see this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for you. Not just for your relative or your friend or the person down the street or the person you're praying for. He cares for you for you. And there's nothing in your life right now that's surprising him. There's nothing you've done that would make him turn away from you. He accepted you as a package just as you are while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. So the first compelling reason that we know everything is going to be okay is that Jesus is worthy of our trust because of who he is. Secondly, he promised this, it's going to be okay because I will prepare a place for you. And this is why the, the, the choice of the song that Becca sang was brilliant, because this goes to the heart of the matter. Look at verse 2 again with me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
Listen, the future is secure for a child of God. And life can throw all kinds of nonsense at us. And it does throw nonsense at us. But above all things, we know that we have a future that has been carved out. And we know that our future is secure. And at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. This section that Jesus talks about here is the second advent of Christ. This is when Jesus takes the church to himself. And as we look back through church history, the Latin Vulgate, which is that translation that Jerome did from Greek into Latin that the Catholic Bible is based on, instead of rooms, uses the term mansions. The King James Version does the same. So we have all this history and gospel music all talking about mansions in heaven. And that's good. That's okay. It's beautiful to think of that. More likely here, what Jesus is referring to, though, is my Father's house is heaven. And and the rooms and dwelling places mean that you and I have a place in heaven. The size of the dwelling really doesn't matter. We're going to be with Jesus. And we don't have to wonder about that. And so, really, when it comes down to it, you can face about anything in life knowing that you have a place secured with Jesus. And the disciples needed that because they were going to be under serious threat for their lives. They would hide in probably that same place, the upper room, after the crucifixion because they feared the Jewish leaders. But another interesting twist here involves the phrasing, I go to prepare a place for you. This doesn't refer to the fact that these rooms don't exist and Jesus was bringing his hammer and nails up there to build a whole new city. It's not what John is saying. John is focused on the going itself. The going being the cross and the resurrection. Because what he's doing in the going is he's making a way for you and me to have a place in heaven. So he, it might be something like this. I am going via my death and resurrection, which will then create a place for you with me forever. That kind of idea. So he's talking to them, and he's about to, in a few hours, walk the road of suffering. And he's saying, I'm going, I'm going so that you can be with me. And that same promise is true in your life, and it's true in my life. And it's clear representation here of Johannine theology that the Lord's work of redemption makes this all possible. And John was enamored with this idea of belief and redemption because he walked with Christ. He saw all the miracles. He believed in who Jesus is. And so what he's trying to elicit in this book is belief. Belief that Jesus would go to the cross would take all sin onto himself, would die an atoning death, would become the propitiation for our sin, would make us right with God for all who believe in him. And John knew that if you believe in Jesus, then you will have this place in heaven. And so the goal of the book is to help us believe. And we've 
We've read this verse before, but it's important to keep going back to it. Here's the, the purpose statement really is, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, leaving, by believing you may have life in His name. John is all about that. So when you and I face death, we can know. The question for you this morning is, do you know what will happen when you die? Can you say with certainty that, yes, I believe I will have a place? That's a really serious question because eternity is in play. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you remain under the condemnation of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so you need to think about these serious questions. I don't know if you saw, if you're a sports fan or not, I'm sorry for using sports analogies, I can't help it. I have sports running through my mind 24 hours a day, except when I'm with Wendy, I'm only thinking about her only. <laughs> but you may have seen uh, a young player with the, with the Los Angeles Angels died a couple of weeks ago, Tyler Skaggs, and they had a beautiful tribute to him where they had 25 painted on the mound and all the players took off, of their, took off their jersey and just laid them around the mound in honor of him. And I'm sure for those young men who probably feel invincible, that was a shock. But we're not invincible. And so that question of where will you be when you die is an important one. And John is saying the only way that we can have a place prepared is by belief in Jesus Christ. And so we can walk this road because we can trust Him. He is who He said He is. He is linked to the Father. He is God. We can trust Him because He has prepared a place for us. And thirdly, Jesus said, it's going to be okay because I will come back for you. This is exciting. Coming back. Jesus has departed for a time, but he's going to come back. Look at verses 3 and 4. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Well, the term I will come again refers to the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take the church to himself. And he prayed an incredibly touching prayer for his disciples, understanding this in John 17. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The Lord is praying that we might be with him. And we will be with him at the rapture of the church. Jesus never said anything about the nature of where he was going. He just wants us to be thankful that we're going to be with him forever. This is our Lord. That's exciting to be with Jesus. And, and what's happening here in, in a more overall perspective in this section of the narrative is he's leading up to Verse 6, which is that amazing I am statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so he's setting the stage for that I am statement. We studied that in the I am sayings. And we're going to look at it at a little bit different angle next week as we work through this upper room discourse. But that's the truth he's laying on them. I am the way. 
How can I be the way? Because I am the truth of God. I am the revelation of God. And I am the life of God. And so I can give you eternal life. And so, guys, I know this is hard information I'm giving you. But don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe in who I am. I've got a place for you. And, and, and don't, don't worry, I'm going to come back for you. And then I love how he says, and you know the way where I'm going. And the disciples are all going like, where are you going? How do we get there? But Jesus understood that they knew more than they thought they did. So, this is amazing. It's life-changing, but we have to live by it. So, I want to talk practically now for a moment, because my life changes when I apply the truth of Jesus' words. And so let's just spend a moment here in practical sense. How do we live with this truth? How does knowing that everything is going to be okay change the way we go about our lives? First, I would say this is really important. I can courageously share my faith. Now, if you're like me, sometimes it's scary to share the gospel. We're afraid of rejection. A lot of people tell me, it's not so much the rejection I'm afraid of. I'm more afraid of not having the answers when when they ask me questions. And then sometimes it's just selfishness. We don't want to take the time. But it's important that we share our faith. And knowing that it's going to be okay in the end of the day can give us the courage, no matter how hostile the culture is becoming, to go out there and be a witness for Christ. We don't live in the prosperity gospel. We live in the real world. The, the disciples got martyred. But yet Jesus was saying, it's going to be okay. More and more, our children, our grandchildren, are going to grow up in a culture that is going to be hostile to what we believe. And it's already starting because what's happening is culture is taking Christian faith and lumping it in with bigotry and racism. And so it's already happening. When you, when you open your mouth and you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, well, that means that you have a worldview that is bigoted and racist. And we're going to have to figure out a way to maneuver through that. But we're going to have to have courage. And when we believe that Jesus is the way and that he has this covered, we can have that kind of courage. Secondly, I can, when I believe this truth, I can grieve with hope. Because there has been a place prepared. The Christian ones that I have lost, I know that I will see them again. And I can, I can grieve with deep sadness, but not despair. I have a 94-year-old uncle. And when I'll say something like, man, you know, I, I miss my dad and you know, his brother. And he'll just look at me and say, yeah, we know where he is. That's faith. And it's not pretend. It's the real thing. Paul had that kind of faith. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he wrote about it. But, but we do not want you to be misinformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We have hope. We can grieve with hope. Now, some of you may be thinking, wow, I don't know if my loved one was a believer. And I would contend that you can still grieve with hope. And here's why. You can trust the justice of God. And we see in Genesis that shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? 
And, and not, at all, not at all projecting universalism at all. It's, it's, it's through Jesus or not at all. But what I am saying is you can release it. And you can say, I do trust you. And so I agree that this person was most likely not a believer, but I can release him or her into your hands so I can still grieve with hope. And that's a unique thing we have as believers. So we can, we can share our faith with courage. We can grieve with hope. Thirdly, I can stare my own death in the face. I, I can have victory when I know that I'm going to die because there's a place prepared for me because Jesus has this all planned out. Many of you who are Ridgewooders attended Cindy Jen's funeral a couple of weeks ago, this dear sister in Christ who battled cancer for so long, but her affect was so beautiful. Her faith was so strong. And she just kept saying over and over again, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. And that's what, we, that's what we have in front of us. And then finally, I would say that the last thing I would throw out there, this is more of a general idea, but we can be free of fear when we believe what Jesus is saying. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to elicit from the disciples because they were afraid. Their world was collapsing. They needed comfort. And Jesus said to them, hey guys, don't let your heart be troubled. Just believe in me. And so what's troubling your heart today? Is it, is it a marriage that you have an ache about and you just don't think it's ever going to get better? Or maybe you fear not getting married at all. Or, or maybe it's the fear of being found out. Boy, if people really knew who I was, nobody would love me. I, I, I've just got to keep hiding and being somebody else. Or maybe it's the fear of losing what I have because I've worked so hard for it. And if I really give my life over to Jesus, he's going to take it all. Or maybe it's some of the things we've talked about, the fear of sickness and death and the heartache of grief. Let me tell you that this morning you can be encouraged that if you believe in Jesus Christ, your heart can be put at peace. Your life is in his hands. He guards your steps. You will never be without Christ, ever. And so I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, because of his power, it's going to be okay. Can you just take one minute where you are and just close your eyes and just meditate on this truth? What is it in your life what do you have anxiety about? What are you fearful of? What's troubling your soul? And just take a moment in silence and give that place to God. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.